Dear Father in heaven, we are grateful that you have given to us, as your people, opportunities to share the gospel. We thank you, Father, for the way you've blessed it locally. We thank you, Lord, for how you bless it globally as well. Father, this morning, as we take a few moments to meditate upon your word, we ask, dear Lord, that you would speak to us through it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine with me, if you would, that you are suffering from an incurable disease. There's nothing that physicians can do to heal you of this sickness. It is thought to be very contagious, and because of that, you have to be quarantined from everybody, lest the infection is spread to others. And so you're wrenched away from your family, you're wrenched away from your friends, your social network, all that means anything to you. And you are put among other people who are suffering from the same malady. Of course, there's a little bit of comfort being with other people who know what you are going through. But that never substitute for being with those that you love. One day, while you are there uh, with these people, separated from everybody that you love, you hear about somebody, some physician, who has come up with a cure for this disease. And immediately in your mind, you want that. You want to be back with your family. You want to be back with your friends. You want to go back to your former occupation. You want to integrate back into society. And immediately, the group begins to formulate a plan on how they can find this physician. So the day comes. They go to the gate of the city. You go to the gate of the city with everybody else. You look for this great physician who's supposed to come to the city that day. Of course you know what I'm talking about. The incurable, contagious disease is thought to be leprosy. And the physician who's the only one that could heal it, Jesus. And the story that is being referenced is the story of the ten leprous men. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke, the 17th chapter. And we'll begin in verse 11. Luke, the 17th chapter. And verse... 11. I think it's hard for us in a Western society to understand the transformative effect of being healed from leprosy, leprosy would cause somebody during the time of the Bible. I think we'll just get a little glimpse into it today. Luke, the 17th chapter, beginning in verse 11, the Bible says this, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village. There met him ten men 
that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. That little phrase right there, if you unpack it, has a lot in it. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on, at, at, and on his feet. Uh, at the feet, sorry, fell down on his face at the feet, at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering or said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. Can you imagine the joy that these ten leprous men had? The Bible says, as they went, they were healed. Can you imagine? I mean, they, moments before, their body is rotting off of their skeletal structure. There are an immense pain in certain areas. Other areas, they have no pain because of the paralysis and, and numbness that has taken place. Great suffering they've gone through. And Jesus says, go show yourselves unto the priests. They turn, and as they're going, their body begins to heal as they take one step after the other closer to where the priests are. Transformative effect the word of God had on the life of these ten leprous men. And as they are going, I am sure that the excitement was building inside of them. And as their body began to rejuvenate itself and begin to work and repair and heal itself, they're getting more and more excited. And they're moving faster and faster to where the priests are. But one of them, when he realizes, he looks at his hands, he looks at his arms, he looks at his body, and he sees that he is healed instantly he stops and he says, there is something that must take place. I cannot take one step further in the direction of where the priests are. I must go back and give thanks. They all obtained a blessing, but only one of them praised God. All ten of them received the blessing from God. All of them were healed. But only one, a tithe, one-tenth, turned around and said, I need to glorify God for the blessing that I have received. We have, as Americans, as Adventists, we have a lot to be thankful. And of course, this is the time of the year where we tend to think of it a little bit more than other times of the year. Life, health, strength, taste buds. You thankful for taste buds? Thankful for snow? Come on now. Let the people of God say amen. Yes, we're thankful for, even for the snow. I know it's cold. 
But I think if you go home this afternoon and you sit and think long enough and hard enough, you probably find a few things you're thankful for about the snow. Life, health, strength, eyesight, hearing, relationships, friendships, finances, the list goes on. I mean, we could compile quite an extensive list of things that we ought to be thankful for as God's people. Ten were healed. Ten were blessed, but only one had the attitude of gratitude. One-tenth of those that were blessed. And I believe very firmly as a pastor that not a whole lot has changed in the last 2,000 years. As people, we tend to be more open about our prayer requests, but less reluctant to share our blessings. And I believe it should be turned on its head. Not that we shouldn't give prayer requests. I think prayer requests are very important. I appreciate our prayer request time because it educates us so that we can go back and beseech the Lord and have answered to prayer so we have something else to praise the Lord about. But we tend to keep track of our prayer request lists a little bit more accurately than we keep track of our blessing lists. And I think it should be turned on its head. The attitude of gratitude shouldn't just happen once a year at the end of November. But it should be something that extends throughout the year where if I came to you and said, what are you thankful for? You would have several things right off the top of your head that you are thankful for. Even amidst the trials and difficulties that we may go through, there is still a blessing that can be found. That's the first thing. Ten were blessed, but one praised. The next thing that we find is that ten prayed. Did they all ten pray? What did, he, what did they all say? They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Did they all pray, yes or no? Yeah. yeah, they all prayed. They all were praying and asking God to heal them of their sickness. They all were beseeching them. They all had genuine desire to be healed. They all were genuine in that prayer. But only one of them came back and praised God when their prayer request was answered. I don't think a whole lot has changed since then, but I think a lot should change now. That as we pray, yes, we all pray, and we should. We should bring our prayer requests before the Lord and make our requests known. The Bible tells us to do that. But as we bring those requests before God, we should keep an eye single to finding the answer to that promise and then praise the Lord as that one Samaritan did, thanking him for the great blessing that he has bestowed upon us. I wonder, (laughs) I wonder what it would look like if we had a scale and we put prayer requests in one and praise on the other. I wonder what that scale would look like. It'd probably be a little scary, wouldn't it? And from a church perspective, maybe even from an individual perspective, where would it be? Would we be more like the nine or would would we be more like the one? I believe the Lord can help us change this if we ask him to help us, to give us eyesight to see. Maybe we need to ask him like blind Bartimaeus, Lord, have mercy on us. Give us sight so we can see the blessings that are falling around us like showers. There shall be showers of blessing. The Lord blesses his people all the time. It's constantly coming, but are we seeing it? Do we have the spiritual eyesight or are we blind? 
Ten prayed. Ten brought their request before the Lord. But only one of them came back with blessing and praise and thanksgiving on his lip. Number three, and this might hit a little bit closer to home, but ten of them believed. Did they all believe that Jesus could heal them? They heard about it. They heard about other people who had been healed of their sicknesses. And they realized from the medical uh, uh, analysis that they weren't going to be healed of their sickness, that it was going to take a miracle for them to be healed. They all ten believed. But only one of them praised and was thankful when that blessing came to them, came to him. I think many of us believe in God. We believe in the power of God's word. We believe in the power of God in our life. But are we praising him as the one did in our story? You know, it's interesting to me as I look at the story. Out of the ten, they were all blessed. They all received uh, a healing from their sickness. But the one Samaritan who was thankful was blessed even more. The Bible tells us, and we've seen this already in the last verse there, verse 19, Jesus says, and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. The other ten were not, or the other nine were not whole. They were healed physically, but they weren't made whole like Jesus pronounced the one Samaritan. He came back with thanksgiving in his heart, and God said, you are now whole. He had a greater blessing than the other nine who were not as thankful. I'm sure they were thankful. I'm sure they had thanksgiving in their heart, but they didn't express that thanksgiving to Jesus. So two examples very quickly here that we see from the story of the Samaritan when it comes to thankfulness, because we're thinking about it this time of the year, and something that we can apply throughout the rest of the year. The first thing we notice as we look at the story of this one Samaritan man who was uh, a leper, the first thing we find is that his thanksgiving was prompt. What was it? As he went, he didn't go to the priest and say, oh, I'll find him later. As soon as he realized that he was blessed, immediately he turned around and he went back and gave Jesus praise and thanksgiving. So it was prompt. As soon as he saw it, as soon as he experienced it, as soon as this thing began to happen in his life, he didn't wait for the full effect of it. He saw that it was taking place, and immediately he was compelled to go back and to thank God for what he had done. So when we see God's blessing, right away we need to thank him for it. Amen? Our thanksgiving needs to be prompt. The second thing we find as we look at the story of this man is that his thankfulness was intense. Did he just come and say, hey, thanks, Jesus. I'll see you later. Did he come and shake his hand? Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate that. I got to go now. I want to go see my family. No, the Bible said he what? He fell at his feet. He was worshiping him. It was an intense gratitude for what God had done. And I think we would do well to fall on our face when God blesses us and express our heartfelt thanksgiving as well. It was instantaneous, and it was an intense thankfulness for the blessing that God had given to him. He cried, the Bible says in verse 15, with a loud voice. He wanted everybody around him to know, thank you, Jesus, for healing me of my sickness. Do you think he was thankful? (laughs) 
I mean, this is a guy, he was banished. He was never going to see his family again. He was never going to see society again. His body was just going to fall apart and he was going to die. That's all he had to look forward to. And now he's healed. Now he can get back into society. Now he can go see his family. He is thankful. And with a loud voice, he proclaims that thankfulness. And it's interesting that the Bible tells us that the gospel is to be given with a to be given with a what? Let's not whisper it now this morning. It's to be given with a loud voice. Why? Because it's coming from messengers who are thankful for the gospel that God has given to them. They are thankful for the transformative power of God's word in their life, and they can't keep it silent. They must shout it from the rooftops, what God has done for them. They want to proclaim it to all that they come in contact with. They fall at the feet of Jesus, and they thank him for the everlasting gospel that he has given to them. Listen to this from Desire of Ages, page 348. It says this, there is greater encouragement. There is greater what? There is greater encouragement for us in the least blessing we ourselves receive from God than in all the accounts we can read of the faith and experience of others. Isn't that powerful? Listen, we love to read books. You know, Adventists, you you look at Adventist missionary books, we've got thousands of them. We read about them on blogs online. There's plenty of reading out there about how God has blessed others. But what we find this morning is this, that the greater encouragement and blessing comes when we can see the blessing of God in my own life. And we need to develop the eyesight to see that so we can call it forth in our mind when we're going through those dark valleys, when we're going through those trying experiences, when we're going through those struggles in our lives, we can go back to our prayer journal, go back to our list of blessings and remind ourselves how the hand of God has orchestrated our life and blessed us one time after another. James chapter one and verse 17, just jot this down. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father. The Father himself loveth us, amen? Oh, we want to be like the thinking one, not the unthinking nine. We want to be like that one thankful leper, that Samaritan who gave us a good example of what it means to be thankful for what the Lord has done for us. Now, I quickly want to just run through a couple of Bible passages here. Jot these down because I'm just going to move through them very quickly. I want to give you something to think about this next week as we think about gratitude, as we think about thankfulness, as we think about how we can praise the Lord. I want to give you a couple of Bible passages that will help push you along the way that you can think about this next week in your personal thanksgiving and devotional time. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, this is the first one that came to my mind. The Bible says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you thankful for victory this morning? Amen. God gives us victory over the challenges and the uh, sins of our life. God is the one that gives us victory. And the Bible says we can thank him for that. Romans chapter 16 and verse 3, the Bible says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of Galatia. Are you thankful for good friends that help you? Are you thankful for family members that come along and help you? Was Paul thankful for the workers who helped him? Yes. Should we be thankful for these people? 
Maybe not just be thankful inside of our hearts, but we should express that thanksgiving to them. Thank you for dot, 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 what you've done for me, whatever it may be, expressing that thankfulness of what God has done through somebody else. Psalms chapter 18, verse 48, the Bible says, he delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those uh, who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Has God delivered us from the enemy, yes or no? David says, therefore, give him thanks. We can thank God for the deliverance that he has given to us from Satan's power. The wrath of Satan is falling upon God's people, and we can thank God that he delivers us from those times. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, the Bible says this, I thank him who has given me strength. What does God give us? Do you need strength? Do you feel weak? Do you feel like you can't make it sometimes throughout the week? Do you feel like the burdens of life seem more than what you can handle? The Bible says, thank God who gives you strength. He gives you strength and he does not tempt you above that what then you are able to bear. Psalms 106, verse 1, the Bible says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy, his kindness endures for how long? How long is God kind to us? How long is God merciful to us? It's forever. He is good to us forever, and that we can give thanks to God for. First Thessalonians chapter 5, this was our scripture reading this morning. I'm going to interject verse 16 and 18. Verse 16 says, rejoice evermore. How much are we supposed to rejoice? Once a year? The end of November? Or end, end of, yeah, end of November? Are we supposed to just thank God at, at Thanksgiving time? No, the Bible says rejoice evermore. And then in verse 18 it says, in everything give thanks. How much? This is the challenge. Because when blessings come, it's easy to thank God. But when the challenges comes, it's a little bit harder to thank God. But the Bible says that we should in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Whatever comes, somehow we have to find a way to thank the Lord. A comical story was told about an English pastor who was famous for his pulpit prayers. And every prayer that he prayed from up front he would find something to thank the Lord for. Well, there was a particular time in this church's history where everything was going bad. It was bad in the community. It was bad amongst the church members. And it was even bad going in the, li- in the life of the minister. And one, uh, that, that one Sunday morning when they all gathered together to worship, one parishioner sitting in the pew thought to himself and un- under his breath, he said, eh, Pastor ain't going to find anything to be thankful for this morning. minister got to the pulpit, cleared his throat, and he said, we thank thee, O God, that it is not always like this. Come on now, there's always something to be thankful for, amen? Let it not be once a year, but yet let it be year around. Let it be instantaneous. Let it be with intensity that we come to the Lord and we thank him. For as we do this, the Bible says we are blessed. We are made whole like the Samaritan man was as he came before Jesus, thanking him for the blessing of being healed. Final Bible passage, Psalms 35 and verse 18. The Bible says this, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation 
I will praise thee among the people. Here's what I wanted to see today. We have fellowship meal directly following our service. Wouldn't it be a good idea if our conversation was centered about around what the Lord has done for us this past year? Wouldn't that be a good idea? Wouldn't it be a good idea this year at Thanksgiving time to spend time with a family around the table ask, or telling each other what we are thankful for that the Lord has done for us this past year and, com- and begin, to, begin to create this atmosphere of thankfulness? You know, in my home, uh, oftentimes when I'm sitting at the table with the children, if there is not a whole lot of conversation going on, I will ask them, Evangeline, what are you thankful for? Christian, what are you thankful for? And it's something I want to foster in the minds of my children to think about what God has done for them. Of course, some of the things that they're thankful for, you know, you just kind of smile at, right? But they're still thinking. And we need to do the same thing. We need to think about what the Lord has done for us. Let us remember to be thankful this next year and not just restrict it it to one Thursday a year, but to allow it to flow out throughout our entire year together with the Lord. Is that your desire this morning? Lord, help me to be more thankful. Help me to see the silver lining in all the things that happen in my life. Help me even in the challenges, Lord, to find something to be thankful for. Is that your desire this morning? Amen? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we are thankful so much that you've given us your word. And we thank you, Lord, that even in our thanksgiving, we are blessed that we just, we just can't outdo you in any way, shape, or form. And Father, this morning, I pray that you would heal our spiritual sight, that you would give us, in a sense, spiritual glasses to be able to see more clearly the showers of blessings that constantly fall all around us. And that, Lord, it won't be restricted to once a year or just spasmodically every now and then, but that it would be something that is constantly coursing through our minds and our lives, the things that you have done for us and the gratefulness that we have towards you because of it. So, Lord, bless us to this end, I pray. And may our our voice of of praise and thanksgiving uh, bless other people, Lord. And may they, in turn, be more thankful for what you've done for them as well. Use us, I pray, dear Lord, this next week. And bless our time together with our family, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.